Salvation is just the first step in God's plan for our lives. If you'd like to know more about salvation, just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net and click on the Salvation tab today. You have to believe. you got to believe it. And so if I'm going to stir myself up, first thing i got to do is remind myself of what I believe. And so I ask you, what do you believe? He's not some austere God set off in a way distant place. He is right here with you. And he says, our Father. And I take that role as an Abba Father. I take that role as somebody that loves you more than you love yourself. I take that role as somebody that will show you the straight and narrow road and will help you accomplish all that you were created for. If you don't know, God loves you very much, and He created you to do great things now. But you have a choice to make. The Bible tells us that God sets before us blessings and curses, life and death. Which will we choose? Our choices are formed and made from our beliefs, and those beliefs produce action in all of us. In today's message, Pastor Eddie Mason continues his series on Do You Believe? And today's message focuses on stirring up those gifts that are inside of you and inside of me. I want to talk to you just a little bit more about what I started last week about what what do you believe? A little finer point on that is do you believe? Jesus said, if you believe in me, he said, I'm the resurrection, you will never, ever die. And then he asked the question, he said, do you believe? And we asked that last week and everybody said, yes, they believe that that was going on. And so I wanted to take that a little bit further and say, what do you believe? And in Timothy Paul instructed Timothy to stir up the gift. And so this morning, I want to talk about stirring up the gift that's within you. 2 Timothy 1.5 says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, which was first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in you also, therefore I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands." For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've got the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Amen. Say that one more time. I've got the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And it's sad, but a lot of the American church doesn't believe they have power. We have power in the, in the presence of Jesus. But Timothy had a choice to make. We have a choice to make. We can sit in our doldrum or we can ex- decide to use, to, to use what God has given us. What has he given us? His very own self. How many of you got the Holy Spirit abiding in you? You know, that's what he's saying. He's saying, stir up your spirit by what? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Begin to get stirred up. And so he begins to encourage him. And the first thing he reminds him of, he says, he said, tells him to fan it into flame, to light it up again. How many of us need to light it up again sometimes? Every so often, we just get pushed down. Timothy had gotten pushed down. Timothy had been rebuked. Timothy, Timothy had been spoken ill of. Many, many things. And Timothy was at a point of almost giving up. And Paul writes to him and says, I want to remind you who you are. Woo, that's good, isn't it? I want to remind you who you are. Who have you got in your life that will help remind you who you are? 
If you don't have somebody in your life that's reminding you of who you are, you need to get some better friends. He reminded him of who he was. He said, I remembered your grandmother and I remembered your mother and the faith that was in them. But he goes on and he says, it's, he said, it's also in you. What? Faith. What kind of faith did he say? Unfeigned faith. What does unfeigned mean? It's sincere faith. It's powerful faith. It's one of those true faiths. He tells him, he said, it's real. It's a kind of faith that can't be shaken. Now, how in the world could Timothy be backing up and not shaken at the same time? Let me tell you how that happens. Is we start building defenses and we begin to back away from people. We begin to back away from situations. We begin to back away from the outpouring of the Spirit. We begin to back away. And it's not that our faith in God has been shattered, but we just don't want to put up with the mess. Anybody in here ever been like that? Don't raise your hands. You might condemn yourself. We, we have to realize that we are not sit, sent here We've not been filled with the Holy Spirit just for our own personal benefit, which is what a lot of the church is preaching and teaching right now. They are preaching a self-centered gospel that we consume God simply upon ourselves, and that's what we were sent here for. And I'm here to tell you that is not the truth. That's a lie. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, go. He didn't say stay. He didn't say just stay in my presence. He didn't say any other thing. He said, go. He said, take action with what I've put in you. But he said, before you go, wait, tarry, and then once you receive that, the Holy Spirit, then I'm going to explode you across the known world. You know what he, he told him that? You know what he's telling you? He said, I gave you the Holy Spirit to explode you across the known world what he's telling us he said that's what I want you to stir up I want you to stir that up he doesn't want you to withdraw he doesn't want you to find yourself because things have gotten rough and hard just pulling back and pulling away and getting preoccupied and we can pour ourselves into projects and we can pour ourselves into things and the Holy Spirit said ah you're a kingdom person you're a kingdom person you're only here for a little while and during that little while, it's, it's all about what is eternal. All this other stuff is temporal, and God's calling us to the eternal. So he reminded him, he said, you have unfeigned faith. Turned to your neighbor and said, I believe you got faith. How many of you got faith? I got faith. I got faith. Sometimes I, I, sometimes I, I want to withdraw, but I've got faith. And so I want to talk about how to stir up that gift. The first step. You know, if you're going to take a step, I mean, if you're going to move somewhere from where you are, you got to take a step. What we as a church have been waiting to happen is we've been waiting the fire to fall from heaven before we stepped into revival. We've not been stirring ourselves up. If you go back into the, into the Old Testament and you begin to see the system that God set up, God said to build him an altar, and he built the altar, and he told the priest, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ignite the fire on the altar, but then it's going to be your responsibility to keep the fire going. Hmm. 
your responsibility to keep the fire going. And what we want to do is we want to look to some outside source to stir us up instead of turning to the Holy Spirit and saying, all right, Holy Spirit, we got to get stirred up. Something's got to happen. We're just sitting around, and this is what we're doing. We're saying the world is going to hell in a handbasket. They're calling good evil and evil good. Man, they're passing laws against the church. They're doing all that stuff, and all we're doing is sitting here twiddling our thumbs and complaining or talking about it or maybe offering a a semi-rational prayer to God about it rather than saying, God, stir me up. I might not affect but one person or two people or three people, but I want to either run them off or run them up, one of the two. Man, we ought to be stirring them up. People ought to know who you are, where you stand, and I'm not talking about beating them up. I'm talking about loving them up. I'm talking about loving them till they get up and tell them about Jesus every time you get a chance. Every time there's an open door, and I'm not saying knock the door down. We've been through that. I've been cussed out more than once trying to knock the door down. I quit trying to knock doors down. Now I wait till the Holy Spirit opens them and I gently step in. But anyway, I just want you to understand, we have to do that. So if we're, if we're here as agents of change, if we're here to reclaim the kingdom, and, and I'm going to preach something I'm reading in a book right this minute that's going to just blow you away. I've got to put it into some kind of form we can all understand. But you see, God has never stopped on his first plan. His first plan was to put Adam and Eve in the garden. And his garden, and then man was to expand the borders of that garden till it extended to the whole earth. God's never changed that idea or that ideal. And so I I am now, because the Holy Spirit lives in me, Christ dwells in me, I am now an agent of change in the earth, and I'm supposed to be bringing the kingdom to bear right here on the earth. How much sickness was there in Eden? How much death was there in Eden? How much fear was there in Eden? There wasn't any of that until such time. And so I'm working on myself, and I'm working on the, the, the area or the group of people that I'm surrounded by, no matter what group of people that is. Am I making sense to you? And so I've been called to do that, and this is what revival is all about. I love the hold-down dances almost as much as Bobby does, not quite. Not quite, but almost that much, Bobby. I love all that stuff. I love it when the Spirit's moving. But I want to see effective change take place in the earth. And God said, I can change. And it may not be anybody else understands it. Maybe nobody else see it. It might not be but one person or two people, like I said. But I want to be sure that before I leave here, I have affected people's lives. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to do that too. Now, let me tell you what that means. Number one, you got to believe that you can do that. Let me say that again. You have to believe. The majority of people do not believe that they can affect change in any way, shape, form, or fashion. You got to believe it. And so if I'm going to stir myself up, first thing I got to do is remind myself of what I believe. And so I ask you, what do you believe? What do you believe? Then after I remind myself what I believe, then I've got to act on my belief. If I believe God heals, then i got to pray for people. 
If I believe that God delivers, then I got to be willing to cast out devils. If I believe that God is a God of peace, then I've got to acquire peace and release peace. That's what he's telling me. I, I gotta, if I believe those things, I've got to do those things. And so I've got to put myself in remembrance of what God said. In John 14, 26, he said, but the helper, who is the helper? The Holy Spirit. Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remem- to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He said, I'm going to bring in into your remembrance all that I said to you. How is he going to bring into remembrance what he said to you if you've never read it or heard it? See, we want, we want, we, he, he can't bring into remembrance something that I haven't put in. And God's saying, I spoke to you. I've written a whole word just for you. I'll speak to you. But, but the only way you're going to know whether who's speaking to you, who is speaking to you, is in accordance with that word. Because the devil likes to talk to me too. He ever talked to you? He was talking to me yesterday. He was talking to me. He was telling me to eat ice cream sandwiches and cookies and, and brownies. And I want you to know I won for 16 hours. Then I had to have me a little ice cream sandwich. But, but anyway, and I know that wasn't God telling me to eat an ice cream sandwich yesterday. What I'm trying to say is, I want to illustrate for you, is we got to know the Word. we got to be hiding the Word in our heart so that we know when it's God speaking to us. You see, all the error that has come to man is because man has taken God's word and perverted it and said, this is what I heard. For the most part, if someone that had never even been exposed to religion or to Christianity in any way sat down and read the Bible, they wouldn't believe not one half of what we believe. A lot of what we believe is just not in the word. And so we need to have the word so that the Holy Spirit will call into remembrance. One of the things he wants to remember, wants you to remember is that God's your father. You have a relationship with him. He's not some austere God set off in a way distant place. He is right here with you. And he says, our father. He's not only my father, he's your father and your father and your father and your father and your father. And he says, and I take that role, and I take that role as an Abba father. I take that role as somebody that loves you more than you love yourself. I take that role as somebody that's willing to bring correction in your life. I take that role as somebody that will show you the straight and narrow road and will help you accomplish all that you were created for. But if we say, oh, me, rather than our Father, look where we find ourselves. So first step requires an action, and the action is to remind myself what God has said. You know, God said I'm lovely. God said I'm beautiful. God said I'm worthy. God said I am his. God said all things are possible. God said, what does God say? And it's amazing to me. God said it. And yet one person can come up to you and say, God, you look ugly today, and destroy everything God said. We take the word of one person over the entire crucifixion of Christ. We have to believe what God said. As a matter of fact, in uh, 390 A.D., the church came up with a, a, a something to remember. They called the Apostles' Creed. 
The apostles didn't write this. This was written afterwards. And there were a couple of reasons it was written. Number one is that uh, doctrine was being confused. There were all kind of books being written, supposedly under inspiration. There were all kind of things that had been happening, and, and the church had gotten really, really kind of screwed up. And so they wanted to put something in that would help normalize the church and bring doctrine into a solid position, and that all people, regardless of denomination, could share these beliefs and understand what they did. And so they came up with the the Apostles' Creed. And it says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ. How many of you believe that? His only begotten Son. That word begotten means there was never one like that. That's why the Scripture said he was the firstborn amongst many brethren. We are the ones that follow after that. That's why we are no longer an old creation but a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Jesus was the first one. Why is that? Because he was God. There's no one else like Jesus. Only begotten Son who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. And so they they told him this. And so a new believer could begin to take hold of this, begin to confess this, and understand it. Now, notice I said the, the, the Holy Catholic Church. I didn't say the Roman Catholic Church. And I didn't say the Orthodox Catholic Church. I said the, the Holy Catholic Church. That's the universal church. That means one church is what that word refers to there. And so they would make this confession so that they understood it. I was in the Presbyterian Church for years, and every Sunday we would say that. And I'm going, what in the world is this all about? Now... 50 years later, I'm saying, this is one of the greatest things that ever happened. I can take a new believer, and in a matter of minutes, I can give them enough substance to where they could live the rest of their life and understand who Jesus Christ is without having to see anything else. And it'll just open the Word up to them. So it's my confession, but it's also a good reminder. I believe in God. When things aren't going right, I still believe in God. When I don't do right, I still believe in God. When things are upside down, I still believe in God. When things are going super and great and maxing out, I still believe in God. Never changes. And because that's the way I believe, I operate in that belief system almost the majority of the time. Sometimes my actions don't reflect that, but it never really changes. That's settled in my heart. You can have every atheist, every scientist, every Buddhist, every Krishna. You can have them all come, and they can tell me everything they want to tell, and I'm going to tell you what, I'm still believing in my God. I believe in Jehovah. I believe in the God that created the heavens and the earth. I believe in the God that sent Jesus Christ, his only son. I believe in these things. How about you? What do you believe? What do you believe? See, those things become an anchor that become unshakable. Oh, I get excited when I think about him. I love him. I love him. Hey, yeah, give God praise. Just give him praise. Okay, and so I have to ask myself, what do I believe? What do you believe? What do you believe? 
Got to answer that question. Second thing, second step, confess what you believe. If you keep it to yourself, it'll never become part of it, part of you. It's when we confess it. Hebrews 10, 23 said, let us hold fast the confession of our expectation. The word is hope there, but that's our expectation. What is the confession of your expectation? You see somewhere along the line, he says, whatever you believe, you're going to put voice to. Am I making sense to you? If you're not putting voice to it, you may or may not believe it. If you're afraid to share it with somebody, you may or may not have taken any action on what you believe. I'm not saying you don't believe it, but you haven't acted on it. And so he said, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. He said, stir us up to love, stir us up to good works. Anybody in here ever have trouble loving somebody? Somebody asked me the other day about my next-door neighbor and said, he's the one to give you a hard time. I talked about him a lot. And so I, I, began to, uh, I began to pray, God, get rid of him. I mean, he called the police on me three times. Three different times he called the police on me. That's not a good next-door neighbor, just in case you don't know that. Twice for holding church and once because I had a school bus in my, in my driveway. And so he's calling the neighbor, and I'm saying, God, would you please make this man move? I went to tell him he had water pouring out of his front yard. His water line had busted. I went in, knocked on the door, and told him I never made that mistake again. He made sure that I didn't do that again. And so I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I said, God, would you please move him? And so after praying it for about three weeks, sure enough, sign goes in the front yard. Hallelujah, God, you answer prayers. You're wonderful, glorious. I thank you, and the Holy Spirit said, you don't know who I'm going to move in next to you next. I okay, Lord, you win. I'll, I'll, I'll learn how to love him. Next day, sign came up, and we did learn to, to love him and appreciate him, and, and uh, he moved. And then we had some new next-door neighbors, best neighbors I have ever had in my entire life. I'm, I'm just telling you. Susan and Jesse, they are just fabulous, fabulous people. They just can't do enough for you. They, they love you. They encourage you. They are great people. And so I'm thinking, God, I'm glad you handle that and not me. Let me say that again. God, I'm glad you handle that and not me. Too many times we want to fix it. We want to be the one that steps up and initiates rather than allowing God to initiate. And you see, I knew not to initiate any further because God had already told me to take my hands off of it. Now, let me let you in on a little secret. I didn't ask. He just told me anyway. You know why? He loves me. He's my friend. And he didn't want to see something bad happen. Confess what you believe. Romans 10.8. But what does it say? The word is near to you. Who is the word? Not what is the word. Who is the word? Who is the word? But know this. The word is near you. In your what? The word is near me in my mouth. No, he's here. That's not what the scripture says. It does say that. But where does he start off at? The word is in my mouth. What is he talking about? The word becomes real when I confess it out loud. He said, he said it comes when you confess it with your mouth. And look what he says. He said, and it's in your heart. 
That is the word of faith that we proclaim. The word of what? Faith. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Now, we've tried to limit that just to go to heaven. That's not what he's talking about. That is a part of it. But he's, talk, he's talking about our everyday life. He's talking about confessing the name of Jesus and asking Jesus and talking with Jesus and discussing with Jesus the decisions that we're fixing to make. And he's talking about speaking out that word. And we're in a situation we don't understand. We can begin to sing the word. We can begin to speak the word. We can just begin to release the word over any and every situation in our life. God instructs us in Isaiah, don't be silent. The bad thing was I was taught that in church you were supposed to be quiet. That's not the way it is in heaven. It's loud up there. It's boisterous up there. There's singing and dancing and shouting and bowing and casting of crowns and rainbows and lightnings and light shows. There's an explosion of noise going on in heaven and worshiping God. So I got two things going on now. Step one, what do I believe? Step two, what is my confession? Am I going to confess what I believe? I, I have several confessions, but I just wrote one of them down for you today. This is my very simple confession. I believe that God is who he says he is. I believe that he does what he promises to do. I believe that Jesus is my Savior, my Lord, my bridegroom, and my eternal King. I believe the Holy Spirit is dwelling within me to conform me to the image of Christ, to empower me to be a witness for Christ, and to reveal the glory of Jesus through me. I am who he says I am, and I can do what he says I can do. I can do all things through Christ, and with him, nothing is impossible. Come on, give God praise. Do you really want to stir yourself up? Do you really want to get stirred up? I'm going to tell you something. You need to write it down. Well, I just do it out of memory. Yeah. I got news for you. Sue and I celebrated our 50th year of dating on July the 3rd. Yeah, you can give God praise. And in her memory, not mine, hers, she remembered our first date as going to see Grand Funk Railroad. But we didn't. We went to see the Atlanta Tams at Lake Spivey. I wasn't saved. Come on, don't give me such a hard time. We did go see Grand Funk, but that was later on. Okay? That was when Sue dropped a cigarette, and I told her, don't pick it up. You don't know what's on that ground. Sure enough, when they cleaned up the grounds, they, I can't remember how many trash bags of needles and marijuana buds and, and uh, all this other stuff that they, pills and everything else they picked up off the ground. But, but anyway... Do you think that she, she's forgotten our first date? No, she's confused a couple of things. That's what happens when you don't write it down. If it's not written down, we confuse things. I tell her stuff and she'll go, mm, that ain't the way it is. I go, what do you mean that's not the way it is? That's the way I remember it. And then she'll tell me and I go, oh, yeah, you're right. Y'all have never done that. I know y'all always have a perfect memory, but, but, but I don't have one, and Sue doesn't have one, and so we have to remind each other about things. And sometimes it goes so much we remind ourselves about things that never really happened, but we believe they did, so it's okay with us, all right? So I want you to write it down. 
I want you to write it down. When you write it down, I want you to begin to rehearse it daily until it becomes a part of you and the belief system begins to take over. Because it is what you believe. I'm not telling you what to write down. I'm telling you, ask the Holy Spirit, what do I need to write down? And write down what the Holy Spirit tells you and make sure it lines up with God's Word. And then once you write it down, I want you to begin to rehearse it. I believe God is who He says He is. I believe God keeps His promises. I believe that Jesus, He sent the Holy Spirit who indwells me. I believe Jesus Christ is my Savior. These things just over and over and over and over again, especially when I sin. I just pull out my confession immediately. Rehearse it daily. And then I want you to meditate on it. I want you to think about it. See, I can say all day long, God is who he says he is. But if I don't think about what it means that God is who he says he is, all of a sudden I get caught up in, in, in just rehearsing what I've written and not meditating on what God gave me. So who did God say he is? God said he was the creator of all things. God said he is greater than all the universe. He holds the universe in the palm of his hand. And he illustrated it that way so that we could begin to have some kind of cognition of how big he really is. But God is so big, our mind really cannot conceive it. But if you can imagine, you know, we talk about the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. We used to sing that all the time. It's better and bigger than the whole wide world. It's the whole wide universe. And you know something that scientists just have discovered? The universe is still expanding. They thought light reached an edge and turned around. It was refracted and came back, and that the universe ended. But instead, what they found out is light keeps progressing and keeps driving out darkness, and it keeps growing. Woo! I love science, don't you? They confirm God all the time. I just look at them and say, dummy, you ought to have known that already. If you just read God's Word, you'd have understood that. And so, so I want to be able to release what God has, has, has given me, and I want to understand it, I want to confess it, and I want to know who He is. And so I believe that God is who He says He is. And I believe He does what He promises. Uh-oh, got, you got me there. If I hadn't read His Word, I don't know what He's promised me. How can I confess His promises? It's great to say God, God, God keeps His promises, but I want you to know that Word is absolutely flat means nothing if you don't know his promises. He's promised to see me through. He's promised to go with me wherever I go. Sue's favorite scripture says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. So when you try to put her in an airplane, she said, uh -uh, I ain't going. God said, Lo, he is with us. That's a great word. He's with us. I believe that. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. I don't care how bad you screw up. I don't understand a Christianity that when you mess up the worst, all of a sudden God leaves you and you have to beg him to come back. That's not the God I serve. So I have to understand his promises and grab hold of those promises and know that they're settled by the blood of Jesus. And then i got to speak it out loud. I can't be ashamed to tell it. And so those are the things that I want to do. And then the third one is probably the most important. I'm going to give it the shortest amount of time but it is the most important thing that you can do. Step one was to believe. Step two was to confess. Step three is to pray in the Spirit continually. And I'm talking about tongues now. I'm talking about how important tongues are. You want to get stirred up? 
you need to grab hold. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have the ability and the power to speak in tongues. If you had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Isn't that the same thing? I'm going to build myself up. I'm going to stir myself up. I'm going to reignite who I am. Some of the greatest men of faith that ever lived talked about praying four, five, six hours a day in tongues. In tongues. Just staying before the Lord. You know, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I did that and I quit. Why? You see, the, the enemy will lull us to sleep and he will take away the things that are most significant in our life and praying in the Spirit is the launching pad to everything we do. You see, what happens is God begins to expand what we believe. God begins to deepen our faith. God begins to open the heavens and reveal himself more and more and more while we're praying in the Spirit. I just want to remind you, I want to go over those three things, and then I'm going to close. First thing I want you to know, I want you to know what God says and believe it. A lot of people can tell you what it says, but they don't believe it. Second thing I want you to do is I want you to confess aloud, out loud, what you believe. Third thing I want you to do, I want you to pray in the Spirit continually. You see, we, we have a lot of alone time in the car. Now, I can ride down the road. I don't know what I'm saying anyway. Every so often, the Holy Spirit will drop something in my spirit. I've shared this many, many times. One of, my, one of the major experiences in my life was just right after a full gospel men's breakfast, except it was a lunch. And the guy had been speaking, and I got outside, and I started praying in tongues in the car with Daddy, and I couldn't stop. I might could have forced myself to stop, but I didn't want to stop, okay? And it wasn't easy, so I allowed myself to continue to speak in tongues. I finished up about 15 or 20 minutes later. I looked over, and Daddy's got tears running down his eyes. And I'm going, what, what's going on? He said, God has begun to open up the praise that's coming from the Holy Spirit up to heaven. And heaven's opened up. And he said, Eddie, I don't know at all, but I'm telling you what, my spirit is so affected by what you're doing that I can't even hardly see I'm crying so hard. Neither one of us really understood a word that was going up. But we do know it was praises, and we do know that God was responding to it, and the Holy Spirit in me was connecting with the Holy Spirit in Daddy, and the Holy Spirit was moving both of us. Now, either you believe what God said or you don't believe what God said. If you're in this thing for salvation, you're probably in the wrong place. You see, God saved me through Jesus Christ when he died for me. But that word said he saved me. He is saving me. He will continue to save me. And eventually, I'll be in his presence for all eternity. And so if all you want is hell fire insurance, you know, you may or may not have it. That's just the truth. You need Jesus. You don't need insurance. You need to believe what God said. You need to grab hold of it. You need to act on it. And you need to walk it out every day and when you fall down get your butt back up don't moan groan and complain and so when you think about moaning groaning and praying how about just pray in the spirit when you think about moaning groaning complain or, or complaining why don't you just grab hold of a song why don't you exchange bad habits for good habits
We talk about the, the earth. The world is calling evil good and good evil. We're just speaking evil when we're releasing all that garbage. Why don't we just release some power and some love and some of our sound mind? God told me there were seven of these keys, and so there's four more to come. But I promise you, if you'll start the first three, it'll change your life. It'll absolutely change your life. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you're loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.